And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Welcome, everyone. My name is David K. Montoya. I am the founder of the Jason Modcast, and I also am the editor of all the podcasts that you folks listen to. Um, I welcome you to episode five of Don't Get Us Started. This is actually a little pre-announcement before you folks jump into the show. Uh, just to let you know, number one, if you're listening to this off your laptop or maybe you have it hooked in through your AUX uh, on the car and you're listening through it at speakers, this podcast should be listened through uh, earbuds or headphones. Uh, and the reason that is is that during the podcast, we actually do a sound check uh, before we do every single podcast. And in the process, we did the sound check, everything was fine, and I walked out of the room and I let the girls do their show. Well, as Lacey was turning the mic towards her, she inadvertently turned off her microphone. Now, the good thing is, is that we have a multi-directional microphones. So even though her microphone was off, uh, Sadie's microphone was close enough to her where she was picked up and recorded. Now, what I had to do in the process to make that audible was to go in and amplify everything that Lacey said. And it, it took a while to get everything situated and presentable. But for the best audio quality for this episode, uh, you should listen to it with, again, headphones or earbuds. Uh, and that's just a little forewarning to let you folks know. Uh, it's a great show. It's very touching. And the second thing that you should know is there's some referencing that this episode is episode six. Now, if you look at any, if it's on iTunes or Stitcher or any other variable avenues that you listen to our podcast, you'll see that it says number five. And the reason that being is that the day that they recorded this episode, they also recorded uh, a previous episode. And unfortunately, I was unable to save that episode. So technically, at the time when they were recording this, uh, it was episode six. So just to clear that up, and because people will probably get a little confused about that. Uh, so that's it on my behalf. I just wanted to give everybody a heads up on everything. So without further ado, I give you episode five of Don't Get Us Started. everybody and welcome. I am Miss Sadie Burbank. And I am Lisa Thanks for listening to Don't Get Us Started. We're really glad to have you back. At the last podcast I said that it was number four. Uh, we're actually number but it wasn't. It was five and so this is number six. Yes. At least that's what our uh, Big boss said. Uh, big boss said, yeah. Dave said it's number six. I take his word for it because I can't keep track. You guys could be 
Yeah, and he puts them on uh, the website and everything, and so he knows, and he even double-checked, and yeah, number four had already been put up uh, for listening. So there you go. We all know the old lady can't count, and that's just further proof. Anyway. <laughs> that's okay. I have some great news to share with you. What's that? What's that? What's that? I it was my son, Jaden. Yeah. Jaden is in this that's great. Yes. Jaden has just been promoted to seventh grade. Yeah, it, and the school year hasn't even hardly just begun. No, we just barely started at the beginning. That's terrific. That's true. And what brought this all about? Because Jaden is in a special ed class. Uh huh. Um, he's high functioning autistic. Uh huh. He does the work of a seventh grader. Uh huh. Eighth grade work too. Oh. In the classroom that he's in, he's in the seventh and eighth grade class. It's called SDC Special Education Program Class. Right. I don't know if they call it special grade class anymore. I'm not exactly sure. Okay. 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 And with him being in the seventh, eighth grade class, he's formed friendships with other students who are seventh and eighth graders. Yes. So he's even though he's in that room, he's still considered to be in the sixth grade. Is that what you're yes. saying? Okay. And and what was their rationale for this? Because Jaden's a very smart individual. No, no. What was the school's rationale for having him? As a sixth grader in a class full of seventh and eighth graders, when he does seventh and eighth grade work, why did they have a sixth grader in that class? Why did they have Jaden in that class because he does the higher work? No, why did they have him classified as a sixth grader right. when he's with seventh and eighth graders doing seventh and eighth grade work? Because that was a very good Since what? Since when he started the school? Okay, so he just well, okay. He he got to the sixth grade. Yes. And that and that was an appropriate progression for him. Yes. Okay, but in the sixth grade, he's actually doing the no, work he's of. Work all along. Okay. Last year, he was in the class with fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Ah. The schools have changed. They they do things. They have another SDC class. Okay. So Jaden already has been doing the work. Older child. Okay, but his age would put him in the sixth grade. Is that it? Okay, that's what I was trying to get at. So chronologically, he's supposed to be in the sixth grade, but he's he's smarter than that, and he's doing the work of the seventh and eighth graders. He's formed friendships among the seventh and eighth graders, and so now because you guys talk to them, yes. right? He's doing the work of seventh and eighth graders, and you went and talked to the people at the school. school. Excellent, excellent. So he's he's all done with sixth grade, and he'll be. That's terrific. Oh, that's terrific. Well, he should feel very very proud of himself, and you should be very proud too that that he's doing so well. There are other sixth grade students, I would assume, in his class who are not doing that well, and they are not uh, members of the autistic population. Is that not correct? Well, there's no. He's the only sixth grade. In his school, are there not sixth graders? Yes. Okay, and he said in his class. well, I meant in his age level. Right, right. Who are they're in the sixth grade, mm -hmm. and they're doing sixth grade work, right. and they're not among the autistic population. Yeah. 
And here he is, a member in the autistic population, if that's the right way to say it, and uh, yet he's doing higher level work than children outside of that population bracket who uh, are doing sixth grade work. So I, I think he's doubly commendable because he's... Yes, yes, he's doing he's doing higher level work than mainstream mainstream students and higher level work than other individuals who may be his peer group. So they, he's doubly commendable, in my opinion, for that. It's more than awesome. It's just outrageously awesome. Yeah, that's. I think you should be, and he should be proud of himself because that's that's quite an accomplishment. No, they don't, as a matter of fact. They have to really demonstrate uh, um, a steady commitment to that, that level of work, not just a now and then kind of thing. Which is trying to figure out your grade level, you know, they go through mathematics and all those different tests. Mm -hmm. He's over beyond. Well, that's terrific. That's terrific. That's going to come in very handy for him. So it's not like two bitchy parents going to the school district. No. Hey. No. No. It's it's going to be very handy for him as he approaches young manhood when he starts thinking about what sort of work he may want to do for himself uh, so that he can fend for himself, so to speak, in, in the, the world of autistic and non-autistic individuals. That's always a challenge. That's one of the... Yeah, that's one of the things that if we are able to get the, uh, uh, all of a sudden I'm drawing a blank, the charity that we're trying to establish, if we can get that going, that's one of the things that we're going to hopefully be helping to provide for is information uh, settings where, where individuals like Jade can uh, improve their skills find find something that appeals to them enough that they would consider it to be a life's work and then dedicate themselves to that work and to learning the skills that they'll need for it so that they can have their own lives to live and not have to be dependent yeah, on others no it's not a not a death sentence by any stretch no Yep. Then they get messed up. <laughs> they get messed up very quickly. And Jay, he likes to know what will we do each step. He will ask us over and over again. I don't blame him. I sort of identify with that myself. I'm I'm very much that way. An itinerary. Yes. I you know, Ernie's always nagging at me because I always have to have a plan. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I get that. I understand why he feels that way. It's a comfort measure, a real comfort measure. Yes. Yeah, well, anybody kind of likes that. Well, I mean, there are probably a lot of people that go, I like spontaneity. I do too, but only if it's organized. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that that's something that's limited to the uh, population with autism. I think that there are lots of us who who have that same like need. Yes, I'm totally a type A personality from the get-go. 
No, it isn't, and there are lots of organizations available to you for guidance and support, and if you just need somebody to talk to, uh, if you if if your computer if you have access to a computer and your computer is not giving you enough information, or if you're not sure how to access the information that you need, uh, there are ways to get a hold of. Uh, national and international societies for the development of individuals with autism and it's it I'm not sure if you could suggest to uh, speaks okay that was going to be my question to you but that's okay autismspeaks.org would at least be one place to begin if you have questions about this if you would email us and you can email us uh, by clicking on the comment section on the website where it talks about our uh, particular podcast and just click on comment and that takes you directly to our email page and if you have questions about autism, living with autism, just finding out your child has autism, uh, how to get information about dealing with, if you if you want to put it that way, uh, or if you just need another mommy uh, or daddy to talk to, you need a shoulder to cry on, any of those kinds of, of autism related questions, if you want to email those to us, we can uh, and would happily uh, respond with as much information as we can gather for you uh, about uh, different organizations that are available in your town, your state, your country, uh, around the world, if need be. Uh, we know that you're out there, we know that you're suffering, and if there's anything we can do to help, we're here to do that. Absolutely. Yeah, you are. You are totally an expert on autism. You're at least an well, but you are not. You're an expert on Jaden's type of autism, at least, and you're an expert on coping with autism. And it's very, it, it's very stressful. But you have been doing it for eleven years, and you're an expert in that field. And there are people who are just beginning to develop the skills to cope and adjust and do so creatively in a way that supports your child and encourages your child not just tolerates so if you're needing those kinds of skills information uh, Lacey is is definitely an expert in the field and can tell you everything she has learned in the last 11 years uh, about dealing with and living with a child with autism and at least a male child with autism and uh, she would be delighted I'm sure to share what oh, yeah. knowledge she has about that and whatever she cannot answer uh, she can we'll, we will find a way to get the information to you so uh, don't feel like you have nowhere to turn because you do. you do and obviously you've got a computer you wouldn't be listening to us either that or you've got a smartphone either way you still have a computer uh, whether you're listening to us via Stitcher or if you're listening to us off your computer, you're listening to us, and uh, and we do thank you. And that's one way that you can uh, reach us and reach out for help. Don't we don't want you to feel like you're alone. We don't want you to feel like 
you have no one to turn to. Maybe you live in an isolated area. Maybe you uh, live in an area where there are no other children uh, with autism. It's possible. Maybe uh, a lot of things. A lot of things are uh, on your plate. Maybe you just don't know where to turn, and we'd just like you to feel that this at least is one place that you can come. Mm-hmm. And how long were you in denial? Was five and a half when was diagnosed. And now her child with autism is older? Yes. Okay, so, so she had experience yes. that she was speaking from. But you didn't want that to be the case, and so you didn't go there for a while? Oh, oh. I don't no. Would that have changed his ability to cope in the world? I don't think so. Okay, so it would have changed yours, possibly. Yeah. Would have helped you, but it necessarily wouldn't have helped him any. So I, I'm, I, I'm wanting to not have you go in, go down that road where you say. Well, I should have gotten intervention sooner because he would have been better off. That's not the case. You might have been better off. Maybe his speech might have been. But he's 11 years old and he understands the value of speech and he's learning every day. And as we just discovered with his promotion to 7th grade, he is going above and beyond what is required of him at this age to communicate either through the written word or with his computer programs that he that he works with or whatever he's doing so uh, I, I don't I, I for two reasons I don't want to hear you beat yourself up number one I don't want you to beat yourself up because it's done and gone yes and number two I don't want you to lead anyone else down that path we don't want people to beat themselves up for whatever they may feel their shortcomings are. What we want is for people to see there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train coming at you. And if you, uh, if you can, at this point in time, if you can say, maybe there is hope, maybe there's somewhere I can turn and come there to that place, then that's the first step. You know, it's like that 12-step thing that alcoholics do. You know, I don't think one of the 12 steps is beat yourself up over your past. I don't know because I'm not a, a recovering alcoholic or druggie or anything else, but I'm pretty sure that's not one of the steps. And so, like any other road that we've taken that we get down a little bit and we go, ah, this was a bad idea, we don't want to... Spend a whole lot of time beating ourselves up on it. What we want to do is backtrack, get over to the other road where we need to be, and go on. And so that's what I want to encourage people to do. I want you to encourage people to do. I know that you may have some regrets over past activities, but that's dead and gone, and you can't fix it now anyhow. You just go on from here and fix the future. That's all you can do. Yes, you do. You pick the ones you can win. Would that be a fair statement? Yes. And then, the and you have to learn what's important. How do you how do you know what's an important battle? Can you be specific, or is that 
that's sort of specific to each child. Okay, all right. So a mother starting out with a child who's, let's say, uh, since he was in his uh, fifth year or so when he was diagnosed, let's say that we have a, a parent missing, could be a father too, or an uncle or a grandparent or an aunt. Let's say that we have someone listening who's got a child uh, newly diagnosed in about that age bracket. Do you think at this point in time they will have learned without realizing it some of the battles that they uh, that it, that it's good to fight with and some of the ones it's not? I'm asking because I really don't know. Okay, so hopefully they would have become familiar enough with their child that they would know. And and what do you, enlighten me because I'm not the parent of. Well, I got a kid that's dyslexic, but that doesn't count. Um, uh, and my other child is just a, you know, paint. No, he's not a painter. <laughs> no, he's not. Not at all. Uh, I was just saying that to be funny. But I, I, I haven't faced the challenges you have. So how do you know uh, what is a battle, let's say, between you and your child What at a five-year age bracket? What would be a battle? that you would pick. You said pick your battles. What what kind of battles are you talking about? That's that can be a battle even with a child that's not autistic. This is true. How is it different for a child with autism? I don't know if that's on my heart. No. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have asked it that way. Um, what was difficult about the battle of a child getting dressed? With your child, maybe he didn't want that color. Ah, okay, okay. So they get sensitive about color. what about textures? Textures, okay. Other others do. Uh, colors, colors, style. The style of clothing does that get to be an issue? Okay. Okay. All right. So. So that and that would be a battle for sure, if if you were trying to make a child wear pants that he himself wouldn't be able to put on or take off, especially if he's going to class, going to a public restroom by himself or so on. He'd have he'd have battles with that. What other kind of battles uh, do you face with a child with autism? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Not the right. He wasn't, wasn't think. He thought it was cast in concrete. That was it. Wow. Okay. So, communication is a real battle. You understand the word. He understands the words too, but there's there's a there's a gap in the communication there. Yeah. Now, if you if you had a different one, the one he wanted, let's say the the series or what, if you had it and gave it to him, would he get it then? Yeah. 
Okay. So in his mind, this is what I got. This is the end to it. And that's all there is. Wow, that's got to be hard. That's got to be hard. Again, with, with small children, that's frequently the case. Um, kids that are mainstream, as you like to put it, uh, want a hamburger for dinner. You're not having hamburgers for dinner. You're having lasagna. So there's a battle. Does he have that sort of a problem? How do you, how do you handle that kind of a problem? Lasagna, uh -huh. and he can go with that. He can, but now that's at this age. What about when he was five? When he was five, he didn't have to worry too much. Did he communicate in any way to you that he wasn't happy with the hamburger, that he wanted something else, or oh, that I mean that he, loved hamburger. I, uh, he I mean that he, he just would not eat it. Okay, so then it was sort of a, an issue of trying to find the thing he would eat. Yes. And how much did you have to go through to make that happen? Not too much. No. Oh, okay. 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 What about music? Uh, is music an issue with kids with autism? Is it a, a, a thing they like or don't like? Is it too much input for them? Uh huh. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's pretty much typical of yeah. any kid at that age. It likes certain kinds of music and not others. And his, I noticed that I've I've heard him. And and I should mention, by the way, in the middle of this conversation, James actually in the room. He's playing on his computer right now, but he does hear what we're saying, yes, and uh, he's. Being very polite and not speaking up and, and uh, interrupting us, but I, I'm pretty sure he would have a, a little bit to say about this. And if he needs to, I'm sure he will go ahead and speak, and that's fine. I have no problem with him speaking up at this point. I don't want him to feel like he's the elephant in the room by any, any stretch. What's your favorite music? Don't know, man. Okay, that's cool. That means he doesn't want to talk about it right now, and that's cool. I get that. Um, <clears throat> What other kinds of problems can the mother of a newly, or the father, the parent, the, the caregiver, uh, I'll get the right word yet, of a newly diagnosed individual with autism uh, look forward uh, to solving? What other kinds of things? We've talked about clothing can be difficult because of color choices and sometimes textures and certainly closures because uh, frequently children with autism may have uh, additional difficulties uh, uh, either uh, in terms of uh, physical limitations uh, that they may have uh, difficulties with hands, strengths, or, or dexterity uh, complications. Um, what other kinds of, of um, just day-to-day, -day, what about going out? What, what's, what's it like to go out at, with, a, with a newly diagnosed child with autism? What's it like to go grocery shopping? I don't know about newly diagnosed because he used to like going out. Oh, he did like that. Okay. I should, I should mention that what kind of is behind my head is that I do know that 
excessive input can be a problem for a child with autism because they already get a lot more in than than some of the rest of we are uh, those of us in the mainstream are able to to tune out uh, and and children with autism are not able to tune out everything seems to come in uh, every all the sounds, all the smells, all the sights that they're subject to. Yeah, he has he really good hearing. Yeah, he has really good hearing. He hears people whispering, knows what they're saying. I might add, and the baby crying bothers him a lot. Well, it bothers all of us, but I mean, it bothers him. And he can't. All all at one time. Yeah, it, it, it seems to me like we when we turn when we tune out, we tune out all but what we're trying to focus on. So it's it's not just a matter of not being able to tune out, but it's also a matter of of focus. The the input is distracting him from his ability to focus it sounds like you're saying and that can be extremely frustrating especially if you're wanting to focus on schoolwork or on your computer work or whatever it is you're or, or giggling or whispering or yeah yeah I think it's I think it's interesting to note that one of the things that Jaden does, I've been told, and I've seen a little, when the overload is too much, is something called stimming. Yes. And I've read a little about it, and I've heard from both you and Dave a little about the stimming. But for again, for the the caregivers of newly diagnosed individuals with autism or those who just simply don't have a lot of experience with individuals with autism, explain what stimming is. Stimming is balancing, flapping of the arms, um, twitching and not sitting still, and it's uncontrollable. I asked myself, how can sometimes babies too? And didn't he bang his head for a while too? And doesn't your nephew pound on his chest? Yes. So there, it takes different um, methods of expression, if that's the right word. Okay. And you ask him? And he told me that he has to, but he feels like he's going to explode. I notice he says that frequently. Uh, when the uh, Not too long ago, before we started our podcast, the baby was in the kitchen screaming. And he said uh, something about it was hurting his ears and, and, and they were going to explode. And, of course, at one point he said, I'm going to kill myself. Well, he doesn't really mean that, but it's in a, a method of... Right, of course. And it's just a method of expressing the fact that he's really tired of listening to the baby scream. He's not getting help, right? No. I no, that's not the way he's saying it. That's like he says it like any of us would say, I'm gonna wring your neck or I'm gonna shoot myself in the head if it doesn't help. We all say those kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, I know. I under I understand that and, and new new again, new parents 
who are facing these things for the first time, you need to understand this doesn't mean your kid's going to go kill himself. He isn't. It's, yeah. Yeah. And when he's stemming, what do you do? I ask him, I bring it to his attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Five years ago, what did you do? Okay. And how did you learn in that time? How did you learn how to deal with it more creatively? Well, he broke my couch for one. So but, okay, Bobby, no, no jump Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He does that when he gets excited with the video games. It's excitement. And he doesn't know how just to giggle or laugh. It comes out in the bouncing. Uh huh. Okay. Um, so his 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 express his techniques of expression uh, are are limited uh, by his lack of experience with them. Is that kind of what you're saying? Okay. So where other kids seem to pick up laughter and and nervous giggles, for example, he hasn't picked that up. Somewhere along the line, he has. They have a hard time reading facial expressions. Uh huh. So I'll make a funny face to Jaden. He's like, "Are you mad? Are you happy?" Ah. They can't read facial expressions very well. In his school, do they show that? Is that part of his education? Do they show him different facial expressions of people? Yeah, so that he can begin to learn what those look like. I was just going to ask that. I was just going to ask if that was something that a parent could help their child with. Yeah, this is what I look like when I'm angry. This is what I look like when I'm happy. And this is this is what happens if, I, if I'm smiling. You can pretty well bet I'm happy unless I'm a bad guy and I'm smiling and there's a whole other world there we don't want to go into. Yeah. You have to you have to stay it's with like the reality. Saying, yeah. You're teaching. You're told. You yeah. Too literally, it would have been confusing for him. Yeah. So okay, well that's interesting because uh, you learned through I guess trial and error yes. how to help him pass the stemming. Now I know because. Okay. Which is, for those of the I listeners who don't know, it's attention deficit. What's H stand for? Hyper. What? ADHD. It's got to stand for something. <laughs> I know. Okay, then they can't. And probably people with HD already know what that or ADHD know what that means. But uh, okay, so he has he has that in addition to having a, an autistic yes. life. He has 
ADHD. Well, ADHD in itself is plenty to deal with. So he's got both things on his plate, and he's still getting promoted to seventh grade. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Okay, so so the doctor said we put her on Ritalin. Yes. And did it help? Okay, so way I explain it to people is, you know, the old black and white TV that when the cable go off, it'd be all fuzzy. Yes, yes, yes. That's the way Jamie was. Okay. Cool. Different kid. Wow. So, yes, I did beat myself up after. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to have my medication. Well, you know, a lot of kids are on medication these days for a lot of things. Little kids with heart defects are on medication. Little kids with liver problems are on medication. Little kids with diabetes are on medication. So, there you go. At least, thank God, there is medication that does help and and is useful. Well, how about diag or how about dosage? Did it take a while for the doc to get the dosage right, or was he oh, he, was he hit it right on the button? Really? Yeah. That's that's encouraging, and and uh, you could you could tell that the medication was working properly yes. just by the improvement in in Jaden. Did he stop stimming? The stimming went down. Okay. A lot. A lot, but he still does do it. Yes, but he can control it now. It's not something he has to do with Right. I, I know from my own experience about a situation where uh, you got, you were gone and, and Jaden was outside with his dad and the baby and uh, it was hot and he was tired and he was upset and began stemming. And uh, I asked Dave because I was on the phone with him at the time and he said, hang on a second. Jaden's getting upset. I need to talk with him. And he came back to the phone afterwards. It was only a couple of minutes, actually. And I said, is he okay now? And he goes, yeah, he's fine. And I said, what did you do? And he said, I got him to focus on a fly. Now, that sounded so casual that if, if you're not aware of how monumental something like that is, you might actually overlook it. But to take a child with autism who's in the midst of a, a stemming breakdown and and uh, get him to focus on a fly is freaking monumental. Uh, I didn't ask him because it wasn't the time how he did it. Uh, I don't think. He just said that he got him talking about it, I think. That's all it took. That's all it took, and and it's and and that and the medication. I think yes. uh, probably uh, put him in a comfortable place, and he was fine then. The rest of the day, there was no problem. So, again, those of you who are just starting out with this, uh, note taking might be good. Uh, a diary would be handy. Yeah. And if it doesn't work now, will it maybe work in two years? Or tomorrow even. There you go. So you can't, you can't really. Now, if what works today. May not work tomorrow. May not. So you're fucked. May not work this afternoon. Uh huh. Okay. So. It's a constant. Does it do good? Would it do good to keep a diary? 
I mean, uh, if if something works now, but it may not work later, how how are you going to really learn anything from that? That to me, that would be really hard. Yeah, I know, but I mean, if you got something that worked today, and it didn't work this afternoon, you can't go back to it because. But it might again tomorrow. It'd be confusing as a dickens. Plus, you're probably too busy to keep a diary. But I don't know. I was just trying to think of. Something with Jaden, something is driving on the pavement and going onto a dirt road. What about it? You don't like it. He doesn't like dirt roads? Okay. From the pavement or at all? From the pavement to a dirt road. Okay. It's long. Okay. Well. Why? I don't know. It's long. Does he? He doesn't know why. Well, that's okay. He doesn't. It's scary. He doesn't have to know why. Evidently, it doesn't feel right. Uh, when, you know, probably here's the rocks. I can't go to the beach and enjoy the beach because Jane is scared to death of the ocean. Okay. Well, that's a big body of water. You have this little person. Yeah. And all of that water. It's a yeah. sensory overload. Yeah. You see the waves come up. We know that they're going to go back down. But he doesn't. They don't. No. They can't put two and two together. Yeah. They think it's Not that way. The water's going to keep yeah, I get that. I totally understand how he could see that that way. Yeah, and again, this is not necessarily uh, a concept that I would say is restricted only to the population he's a member of. I think lots of little kids are that way. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. See, so, but there are also lots of kids who are not autistic who. Uh, are just as afraid of that big body of water uh, for their own reasons, their own fears, whatever they may be, whether they see it as water coming in that won't go back or if they see it as something they might fall into or whatever. I've seen, and you have too, I'm sure, uh, lots of little kids at the edge of a lake or at the edge of a creek or at the edge of the ocean who are just screaming bloody murder. Mama's got them by the hands, and it's like, yeah, you like it, come on in. And the kid's going, the fuck I will, get me out of here. And they, you know, again, they're not necessarily kids with autism, they're just kids. Yeah, it is, it is. That's interesting, interesting um, concept. So now, now if, 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 if stemming can be controlled now for, for Jay with, with, Focusing on something he'll focus on, whether it's a fly or his computer program or whatever, um, and, and do the incidents occur less often? Do you think? Yes. Okay. Do you think? Because he's gotten older and he has got communication skills now, where we can try now, we can try to talk him out of. Whatever it is. Okay. Now, does he know that he's stemming or about to be? Is he consciously aware of that? I think he's conscious because we've made him aware of it. Mm-hmm. Not picking on him, oh, stop that. No, no, but no. To inform him. To inform him. Yeah. If he sit there and he watches how stem, their body is tense. Almost rigid. Almost rigid. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What about 
touch. The other thing that you were, as, as she was speaking uh, soothingly about uh, how to help a child uh, calm down, Lacey was actually rubbing her, her knees while she was doing that in, in a gesture similar to that that you might apply to a child who was upset. You would be circularly rubbing their back or whatever. What about touch? In, in, because Jaden is your only experience, does he have issues about touch? Yes. Okay, what kind? Okay. Uh huh. And what does he say? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. Okay. Uh huh. Right. Right. What about high fives? Does he like to do high fives? Okay. Yeah. Sometimes not. Yeah. 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 I notice sometimes in conversation it's kind of that way too. If you say hi, you sort of get a high back and sometimes not so much. And then sometimes a lot, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes you do. He and I have had a couple of conversations lately, and it's been interesting. Sometimes I don't know what he's talking about. And I kind of, I can sort of almost in a way identify sort of with his perspective on things. Like, people talk to him a lot, and he probably doesn't know what they're talking about either. And it's it's like, okay, we'll just kind of go with it as much as we can here. And so, it, but I'm a, I'm a grown woman. For him, as a kid, that's got to be harder, and especially with the limitations that he's facing he it's it's got to be harder to kind of go with the flow when you're not real sure how to explain what kind of problems did he think it was like a matter of punishment or what oh okay okay Right. If I'm smiling, you know I'm happy, and if I'm frowning, I'm not. For him. And if you want to talk seriously, you have a serious look on your face, and that no they can't read that. Yeah, because we can hear what you're saying, but we're not really confused what's going on with your face. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Look up. Okay. 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 So that's interesting too. So, uh, as a as a parent of a, a mainstream uh, children, it the things that I would have done with my children when they were upset about something are totally the wrong things to do. Well, because because the first thing I would do when my children were upset is I would grab them and hug them and pat them and tell them it's okay, mommy loves you, and all that kind of stuff. And the, and that yeah, that's totally the wrong thing to do with him, and 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 maybe even the wrong thing to do with a child who is of the mainstream population. <laughs> maybe sometimes they really don't need to be grabbed and hugged and patted and told everything's okay, but. There's something in us as mommies that makes us kind of want to do that. And, you know, if you're lucky, nine times out of ten, that works. He wasn't a wetty baby? A cuddly baby. Didn't didn't like to be cuddled. I know a lot of uh, uh, druggy babies, uh, infants born addicted. 
uh, because of their parents' addiction, mother's addiction primarily. Uh, they, they're not into the touching. Even as newborns, uh, we had to be very uh, cautious whenever I was at a delivery, if it was a drug baby, we had to be very sensitive to the possibility that tactile uh, contact with the infant it was not going to be good. Uh, they, they, uh, they react very negatively to uh, the, the same sort of, of, because with a newborn, you're, you're very tactile. You're, yeah. you, you touch and soothe and, and coo and all of that sort of stuff. To, to give the child a, a sense of calm and whatnot. And, and druggy babies frequently was not the case. They, they, it was like an irrita a, a really bad irritation to the skin because their nerves on a newborn, their nerve endings are very, very, very close to the, to the surface. And their nerve endings are uh, ignited, so to speak, by their uh, inherited addiction. And so touching them rubbing them it's very painful and and upsetting to the infant uh, and so maybe in some senses that's the case with autism too maybe they they have uh, I don't know if it's been studied if there are physiological differences that create that problem so it's different again uh, is is there which brings me to a I think a, a valid question is there anything such as a normal child with autism that is to speak that is to say a uh, I don't mean to use the word normal inappropriately I mean an average probably is a better word an average child uh, male or female with autism is 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 there a, a mean a middle of the road line so to speak yeah which means he's able to get along with society better than other children. Because why? His, well, I mean, what what qualifies him to be considered high functioning? His communication skills, or what? What what puts him in that category? I think with his communication skills, and he's able to retain information. Okay. My nephew okay. is on the spectrum of. Okay. Well, I understand. I, well, deficient, maybe. I don't even like that word. Uh, I know. I don't either. But I, I think for purposes of understanding, I think our listeners can overlook the fact that we're not, we're not, uh, we're not scientists. We're not experts. We're only experts insofar as you've been doing a lot of, of work in this field with your own child. Uh, and I've been observing for a little while, and that's all. I know, I know. I know, it's very second nature to you to do these kinds of things. But again, I'm, try I'm trying to pull it out of you because I want our listeners to, to get more out of the whole thing. Okay. And the savant is the one who is exceeding in in mental skills uh like rain man as an example anybody that's yeah anybody that has seen the movie rain man would understand uh from that what a savant is 
you can also Google the information anytime you want. I'm sorry? In which part? The Savat part or? <laughs> yeah, that savant didn't. What about Jaden? Does he have issues like that? He likes to go shopping anywhere? Doesn't like to go shopping? Doesn't like to go anywhere? Again, because of too much input? What about... Uh, yeah, traveling is not comfortable. As long as you're on a street, as long as you're on a concrete street or an asphalt street, you're okay. Does Gaga have any dirt roads around her house? Oh, how do we get to Gaga's house from the road? Oh, we are. Okay. Now, how did we get to be okay? Past experiences? Okay. Right. Or the noise that the dirt makes against the car is not the car exploding or anything like that. So, a little distance he's okay with. Yeah, it could just be a noise thing. Again, he picks up, he hears noise much better than the rest of us. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. Bless his heart. Uh-huh. Muffle the noise, yeah. Right. So, again, again, like any mainstream child, the experiences that they gain through, if you will, confronting their fears uh, will help them uh, in time deal with them more, more creatively. Like I said, Jamie, sixth grade, from kindergarten, we are just now... Okay, so that's a long time. That's a long, long time, and he's and I'm sure there's been a lot of work done on that level uh, to to help him to understand what what's going on and how it affects him. How does he deal with that? We have a lot of thunderstorms around here. Him that thunder is just two clouds banging together, right? Yeah. Right, right. And again, this is something I remember as a child being frightened by. And I was like, uh, I was eight years old. I was eight years old when. Yeah, I was terrified of thunder when when we we when I was a kid, eight years old. We went fishing in Montana and there was a thunderstorm and it was like overhead and yeah, I remember my mom going to oh, God's bowling and I'm coming come on ma don't give me that shit I know better okay God doesn't bowl uh, and it, it was terrifying and I have issues with loud noises myself I tell you what I can stand behind no you don't that's what I'm saying I can stand behind a jet plane and it'll bring me to tears if it's if it's right there and loud again. So, so being autistic or not being autistic doesn't necessarily 
uh, I'm not saying that right, having trouble dealing with loud noises or strange noises or something is not necessarily just something that affects a child with autism. It can affect anybody. But explaining and bringing them through that moment is where the, the challenge comes in. Because with a, with a main, mainstream child, you can say it's, it's clouds or it's this or it's that. And they go, oh, okay. Not, not when they're two, but when they're five years old, you can explain those things to them. And they sort of get it. And they, and they trust you by then. And so they, they believe it. But with a child of, uh, with autism at that age, it's a lot more difficult, it sounds like to get those explanations in, get them to buy it, and get them to believe it, and get them to remember it next time, which is the really challenging part. I got a lot of admiration for you. It's not easy. <laughs> I couldn't do it, I swear to God. You know, God. I think God gives us the challenges we're capable of meeting. I really believe that, and uh, thank goodness I wasn't given challenges like that I was I was given different ones uh, I wasn't really capable of meeting some of the ones I was given I think but um, I did what I could do but um, it takes a special kind of dedication and it's not just yours I have to say your husband Dave is just as dedicated and just as capable uh, of uh, providing the, the the appropriate sort of support and information and input you are totally a team and it's obvious when I see the two of you together with him uh, uh, working on a on a, a moment with him and it sometimes it's is just a, just a moment Yeah, yeah, and by learning yourself what works in one circumstance, you can convey that to him. Like if he's at work and something happens at home, you can tell him this happened and I did this and it worked. Uh, it might not next time, but it worked this time. You know, so then he's a step ahead, so that if it happens with him, he can. It's very, very because helpful. It's, yeah, to if have. Somebody having a special child, the divorce rate is very, very high. If yeah. You're not a team. Yeah. Oh. Unfortunately, that's true of people with lots of of problems that are faced as a couple, whether it's uh, a child with autism or the death of a child or an, a major illness of a child or, or of their own. Uh, sometimes the mom or the dad will have a major illness and unfortunately those sorts of things uh, provide more of a challenge than, uh, than they're capable of meeting and that's very sad. Uh, hopefully our listeners won't necessarily be falling into that category and, uh, and we kind of hope this is a little bit of a departure from uh, our normal type of uh, conversation, but I, I think it's important um, when 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 the information is forthcoming. It must be because you need it, and uh, and so hopefully there are people out there listening to us who can find this information beneficial, if not for yourself, then possibly 
a family member or a friend that you know who may again need uh, your support and and understanding understanding is probably one of the, the most important requirements uh, of, of a, an individual who lives with or near or loves a person who has autism because if you don't understand what's going on you're not even going to be able to begin to face and assist uh, with the development of that person and and if they're in your circle of friends or relatives then that is your job is to assist with their development at whatever opportunity is given you to do so we're hoping that that some of this information will be helpful again if you have questions about anything related to the subject of autism if we can't answer them and the chances are pretty good we won't be able to because again we're not experts but um, we can exactly we can do we can put you either put in your hands the information about who to contact or we can at least help you down the road of enlightenment if you will to to find uh, ways of learning how to be supportive of your uh, loved one uh, or your friend or whatever who is facing these kinds of challenges um, rather than turn your back and throw up your hands and disgust and say gee I don't know I, yeah I don't know what to do so I guess I can't help to me that's not necessarily anything more than playing ostrich yeah. and you can do so much yeah your child looks up to you you're your child's comfort zone yeah yeah, absolutely. There, you are who they're going to look to. And at school, you're going to have to be that child's voice, right? You know what the hell's going on. And you, you have to come home and it's down and it's like, uh oh. Yeah, and you have to speak for them because yes. they're not That's able the to. They're not able to speak for themselves, uh, just as though uh, any other child who's who's faced with the task of communicating with an adult. Uh, is concerned that that's difficult enough for a mainstream yeah and that's difficult enough for a mainstream child to deal with but for a child with autism to have to communicate intelligently with a, an, an authority figure about an issue that they have is almost an impossibility so you're their voice you're the one they rely on to speak for them so I think we're just about done for tonight. Uh, don't forget, email us, please. Tell us what you think about our show. You can reach us by just clicking on that comment button uh, on our show, and it takes you directly to our email page. And all you have to do then is pick Don't Get Us Started and tell us what episode you want to comment about. If you can, tell us by number. If you can't, you can tell us by content. We'll, it out. we'll try to figure it out. This is episode number six, by the way. All emails will be read on the air unless otherwise requested, and we will respect your privacy. Anything you do not want read on the air, let us know, and we will keep it private. Yes. And any references to the information, we will keep private, such as the answers and so on. If there's no other way to answer you back privately and you want privacy, uh, if there's no other way to answer you back on air, we will email you back yes. and yes. let you know the information that you want. So please feel free 
to ask your questions. We will protect your privacy. Absolutely. You never know. You could possibly give Lacey a few ideas she hasn't had yet, and she can always use those. We hope you'll come back next week and give us a listen. So until then, I'm S. Cindy Burbank. And I am Lacey Montoya. And we're saying that's enough for tonight, so don't get us started. Good night. Get us started!